let's um, open our Bibles now to Psalm 16. Um, we're looking at this psalm. So as, as we start off 2021, we're looking at four ways that God shows up in our lives to help us grow. And if you were here last Sunday, my friend Al Guile introduced us to the four um, using a, well, we're going to use a diagram. I don't know that he, he used this last week, but it's called Landscape of Life. And uh, Craig, maybe you can put that up on the screen for us just for a minute. If you draw out the contours of your life, there are ups and downs, right? And um, more specifically, we could look at um, four different types of moments in our lives. There are moments that feel like what we just sang, spring up a well, that feel like a geyser or an artesian well erupting. These are eruptive moments. And um, often, but not always, we experience these kind of moments when we first develop a relationship with Jesus. We feel close to God. We feel full of excitement to learn about our faith. Maybe we have an experience of receiving the Holy Spirit that's powerful and wonderful and life-changing. And so these are eruptive moments. Second, there are also earthquake moments in our lives, right? Uh, crisis occurs, tragedy strikes. In a moment, the landscape of our life shifts. We lose a job or a child or a best friend moves away or we experience a divorce or a breakup. Our life is upended and all around us feels like there's just rubble and dust. Believe it or not, God uses these moments powerfully uh, to help us grow. And some of you have experienced that. Then third, there are erosive times. These seasons are long and they're slow. Um, little by little, we feel worn away gradually, layer by layer. Often in these moments, we're very bored. We're very impatient for the season to change. Um, these are often long seasons and, and uncomfortable ones. Sometimes God maybe feels distant or absent during them. We can't see what God is doing in our life. We, we can't wait for the season to be over. Maybe 2020 felt like an erosive season to, to some of you. But if we hang in there long enough, what, what happens in these seasons of erosion is that God slowly strips away what's there and often reveals that there's treasures buried underneath. And, and often these treasures have to do with our faith and they have to do with our character. Things like patience and perseverance and humility and gentleness. These are qualities which, which we can't develop any other way but slowly. Kind of like boiling maple sap to make maple syrup or growing your own fresh organic veggies in your garden. There are no shortcuts to these kinds of good things. These treasures can only be created at one speed, slow. Have you ever been through a season of erosion? Then the fourth and, and last season is one of excavation, which really um, can be more of a constant in our life than a season. And here we're, we're digging for more of God. We're digging fresh wells down to the, the rich, life-giving, refreshing presence of God. And here we're, we're motivated or we're convicted to pursue God, to pray regularly, to study our Bibles, to 
practice some of the other spiritual disciplines, to read Christian books, to attend retreats or conferences, to, to learn, to grow, to seek. We're excavating, we're digging down for more of God, for more growth in our lives. And my guess is that when we think of spiritual growth, this is what we think of. We think of our devotional efforts to grow. And, and while excavation should be a constant in our lives, there are, are seasons where we're particularly motivated or convicted to dig for more of God. But actually, all four are seasons where God meets us. Eruption, earthquake, erosion, excavation. And they each help us to grow in a different way. So we can take the slide down now. Um, but this is what we're going to unpack it together in the new year. We're going to look at each of these four in more detail over the next four weeks. And my reason for doing this is twofold. First, so that you know the season. So you know the season. So that you can, you can recognize them in your own life. And so you know how to embrace the season and what sort of spiritual response is most appropriate for the season that you're in? And maybe figure out what season you're in now. Also, as uh, Al Giles mentioned to us um, last week, um, there's value in looking at the story of our life, looking back at our past and looking at the different seasons we've been through and taking time as we've never done it before or if we've never done it before, to reflect on maybe what God did in us or was trying to do in us through each season. So there's value in that as well. So the, the first reason we're going through these is for ourselves. The second is so that we can recognize them for others and maybe be a better spiritual friend, um, a better minister to others based on what season they're in and what's an appropriate way to come alongside them and, and speak into their life in those seasons, because God works in different ways in different seasons. You might know that there are two different Greek words for time in the New Testament, which was written in Greek. There's chronos time, which is, you could think of chron chronograph or chronology. This is clock time. It's minute ticking by after minute, hour after hour, each one the same as the previous, same size, measured with uh, efficient regularity by clocks and calendars. And often this is how we think in terms of our relationship with God, because we think about everything this way, because we've been conditioned that way by our culture. Like every moment is the same. Today is as good as yesterday. And um, when we think about the spiritual life this way, we think that it's about quantity of time that we're putting in, that it's about putting in time. How often we attend church or, or uh, sit down to spend time with God alone. But it's the second Greek word for time, which really gets at the way that God works in our lives. And that's the word kairos, which is a different kind of time. Kairos is a season. It's an appointed time. It's a time pregnant with possibility, like when Jesus began his earthly ministry by announcing the time has come, the kairos has come, the kingdom of God is at hand now, right now, it's a kairos. This was a time that was very unlike the time before it and would be unlike the time after it, a moment that was now or never that called for a particular response 
and that called for attention in a particular way. And God still works in these Kairos ways. There are moments where God shows up to do something specific in our lives that God doesn't intend to do at another time. God intends to do it now. And in these moments, we have a choice of how we're going to respond. There are moments of eruption where God is doing a new thing, coming close to us powerfully, and we can lean into them and enjoy them, or we can run away from them and shut them down. There are moments of earthquake where we can um, seek God and cling to God in the midst of chaos, or we can push God away and find a different way to cope and to survive and just look out for ourselves and our survival instincts kick in. There are moments or seasons of er erosion where we can hang in there with God. We can cooperate with the slow, uncomfortable work that God is doing, or we can just grow distant from God and look for some other way to ease our discomfort or to distract ourselves from the boredom. And then through it all, there's the discipline of um, excavation and certain seasons of intense excavation as well, where we can dig deeper for more of God, or we can allow ourselves to be distracted and to busy ourselves with life and with other things. So recognizing the kind of moment that we're in and that others are in helps us to know how to respond in, in those seasons. And to help us look at each of these four seasons, we're going to use the life of David, Israel's greatest king. David experienced each of these four seasons in his own life, and wonderfully, he left us entries from his prayer journal about each one in the Psalms, right? And so we'll use the Psalms as windows into David's heart and David's soul and David's mind to see personal examples of what it looks like to lean into God in, in each of these different types of seasons. And we'll see these Psalms are drastically different from each other because the seasons are drastically different. And yet God is at work in all of them. So today we're going to look at eruption in greater detail for a little while now. Uh, these are moments where we're excited about God. God has shown up in our life. We feel close to God. We feel full of his spirit. You could think of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Um, you could think of the whole book of Acts just about was a season of eruption. Um, you could think of the three years of Jesus's own life where his disciples walked and talked with him. That was a season of eruption for them. Or think of Moses when he was up on Mount Sinai <clears throat> talking to God face to face. Well, what moments in the life of David come to mind that were eruptive moments? Can you think of any? Maybe when he's still a boy and the prophet Samuel comes to him and seeks him out, takes him from um, the pastures where he's shepherding sheep and anoints him to be the future king of Israel. Or maybe later when David defeats the, the giant Goliath merely with a sling and a few stones. Or later when David brings the ark of God, the, the kind of... Um, representation of God's presence into Jerusalem with celebration and he's singing and he's dancing with all of his might. That was an eruptive moment. Or when God speaks to David personally through Nathan the prophet in 2 Samuel 7 and God tells David, I'm going to build you a house and make an everlasting covenant with you and you will never fail to have a son 
to sit on your throne forever and ever. These were amazing moments of encouragement of God's closeness, God's miracles, God's word being spoken clearly and unmistakably. And David captures how he feels in some of these moments in some of the Psalms. So let's look today at one such Psalm, Psalm 16. We don't actually know uh, what the occasion was that Psalm 16 was written for. Some Psalms tell us this one doesn't, but it's clearly an eruptive moment. That, that David is describing and expressing here. Just listen to, to how David feels. Verses two and three. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Then verses five and six. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Verses 8 and 9. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This psalm is, is the natural response of a heart that has tasted God, tasted God's presence, tasted God's goodness. And so the spirituality that's expressed here is clear and it's easy, it's flowing. It's what we might think of as the ideal spirituality. It expresses the kind of relationship with God that we hold up as an ideal. It's full of faith. It's full of joy in God. It's full of commitment. How could it not be? When we've gotten a taste of what God is really like, we realize God is better than anything else and, and our hearts fully belong to him. A lot of contemporary worship songs were, were written in seasons like this, like this one. All of you is more than enough for all of me. For every thirst and every need, you satisfy me with your love. Or how about this one? Your love has ravished my heart and taken me over. And all I want is to be with you forever. So pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart. Of course, there's hymns we could think of as well, which, which express these kinds of eruptive seasons. And if you've ever been through a season of eruption, in that season, you tend to gravitate to, to these kinds of songs and to psalms like Psalm 16, because they express what your heart is feeling. And ever afterwards, we remember those songs fondly, right? Because they remind us of those sweet times with God. Have you ever felt like what David describes in the psalm? I have. I, I can think of several different eruptive moments in my life. My, my time in college is definitely maybe the go-to one. Um, I felt so close to God. God seemed so real, so near. I was so eager to grow. I, I wanted to commit my whole life to God and devote my life to serving God. And, and it was during that time, um, my senior year of college, that I, 
I was figuring out what I was going to do with my life. And, and I had several opportunities for teaching jobs um, in, in pretty um, reputable, uh, it's not quite the right word, but really attractive school districts. Um, I also had an opportunity to, to get a, uh, I uh, was awarded a full scholarship to go on and get my master's degree. But instead, I chose to go be missionary in the country of Hungary. And it was a no brainer. I didn't care about earning money or establishing a career. All I wanted was to serve God. That's what an eruptive moment is like in our life. We're full of commitment. We're full of enthusiasm. Faith comes easily. And you know, it isn't just individuals who enjoy these kinds of moments. Whole churches do. And in my case, a whole Christian fellowship was. Now, I wasn't there when CBC began. Uh, but I'm guessing that, that our church experienced one of these eruptive moments when it first began. With a few enthusiastic, committed families who were willing to sacrifice for God, to, to do something new for him. And, and within a couple of years, the, our building was busting at the seams, full of young families. There was enthusiasm, there was energy, there was lots of vibrant life. CBCers were out in their neighborhoods. They were starting Bible studies with neighbors, leading them to Christ. This was likely a season of eruption for our church. God was moving and at work, and God's people were swept up in it and thoroughly enjoying it. So let's take a look at this psalm now in, in a bit more detail and see what it expresses and what it shows us about what it's like to be in a season of eruption. First, um, well, I'm going to pull uh, seven aspects out of this psalm. Um, don't try to write them all down. I'll send them to you later if, if you really want them, but I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. Maybe just think about the ones which strike you as particularly important and reflect on those. First, in verse one, in a season like this, we naturally and easily trust God. Keep me safe, my God, the psalmist prays, for in you I take refuge. And we know God will. We trust God. Why? Well, the rest of the psalm tells us all the reasons why. And so second aspect in, in verse two in eruptive seasons, we desire and value God more than anything else. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Can you say that? Apart from you, God, I have nothing good. You're better than my dream job, better than a new house, better than that relationship that means so much to me, better than what I most wanted for Christmas. Those who have tasted God up close for real, they've said, yep, God is better, definitely. And so third, in times of eruption, we want to be around God's people. We want to share our joy and our enthusiasm for God with, with others who are likewise enthusiastic about God. Verse 3, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. We gravitate in eruptive times toward others who are hungry for God too, who, who um, or, or we look up to those who are um, committed like we aspire to be. They become our heroes. 
And there's nothing we want more than to be with people who are talking about God and learning about God and growing in God and serving God. Then fourth, in seasons of eruption, we can clearly see the emptiness of God's substitutes. Verse four, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods. We, we look at those chasing God's substitutes, whether it's a comfortable middle-class lifestyle or career advancements or a certain relationship or whatever it is, and we feel sorry for them that, that their priorities are misguided and, and that they're not going to find the joy in those things that we already have in God. We wish they could know God like we know God and realize that the best riches are in God. And so fifth, we're content and happy with our life, whatever it is, because we have God. And if we have God, we have everything. Verses five and six. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. God has filled our God-shaped hole. And so at some deep level, we're at rest, we're satisfied, and it's because of God. And so nothing else matters that much. Everything else is secondary. Worldly goods, worldly pleasures come and go. They can't compare to what we have in God. And therefore, sixth, our attention is regularly on God, verses 7 and 8. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. We love to spend time with God. We love to gather with others and praise him. We we talk about God. We think about God. We're hungry to learn and to grow and to share what we have with others. And then lastly, seventh, we want God to lead our life. Verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. We let our life be led by scripture. We look to Jesus to be our teacher and our master. The the grid we use to make decisions isn't what everyone else says or what everyone else does. It's God's word. It's God's will. It's our commitment to Jesus. He's the light that guides our path. He's our Lord. He's our King. And again, all of this expressed in this psalm describes a season of eruption. We hope it trickles over into the rest of our lives, but it's certainly most powerfully true in these seasons. When God is close to us and our hearts are full of his love and his spirit, and all of this is our heart's natural response to to this. Again, it's a clear and simple spirituality. But believe it or not, seasons of eruption also have some dangers. Which is why God doesn't just give us these seasons all the time. What are the dangers? Well, let me mention just two. One is judgmentalism. When we're in a season of eruption, it's very easy to judge those who aren't. We look at them and they aren't as enthusiastic or committed as we are. And we think, what's their problem? 
Why aren't they so excited about God? Don't they get it? Don't they love God? Are they really a Christian? I was this way as as a young Christian in college. I found it so easy to believe, so easy to be all in. I couldn't understand why others didn't share my level of commitment. I just figured they weren't very spiritual. And so it was easy for me to be prideful. And it was only later when I went through some other seasons that I began to realize in retrospect that maybe it wasn't my own virtue and my own spiritual superiority that made me so full of enthusiasm and faith and commitment to God back in college. Maybe it was a season where God was at work in a special way. And once that faded and I was just left with myself, I actually didn't have within myself as much faith or goodness as I had thought. So here's the the second danger of the season of eruption, in addition to judgmentalism. And that is that in this season, we actually have weak faith. We feel like we have tons of faith, and and in a certain way we do, but we don't actually um, have the kind of faith which prepares us for other seasons. Because actually what we have during a season of eruption isn't a lot of faith, but a lot of feeling. Because God is so close, we feel him. And so when the feelings fade later, when when a tougher season comes in the future, we're not too prepared for it. We know how to be committed when things are easy, when when we feel excited about God. but, But what about when things are tough and God feels distant and we're asking hard questions and wondering where God is? Do we have faith then? And so if this is all we have in the season of eruption, we actually don't have much perseverance, much faith to sustain us through the difficulties of life. And if that's us, and, and if we don't grow a stronger faith, then, then we're in danger of becoming the people that Jesus talked about in his parable of the four soils, when he talked about the shallow soil where the seed springs up quickly, but then it quickly withers and dies because it has no root. So you you see these people, we've had them at CBC over the years. They've had wonderful, miraculous experiences of God. And and they're so excited. They're so enthusiastic for a while. but, But then when the fire dies down and the excitement fades and life gets challenging and God doesn't feel close by, we see them fade away. And pretty soon we don't see them anymore at all. And so eruptive moments are great and God can change us in them miraculously often, but by themselves, if we don't keep growing beyond them, they're not enough to make us whole and mature disciples of Jesus. And that's why in the following weeks, we're going to look at some other seasons like seasons of earthquake and seasons of erosion and Seasons of excavation, too. Other seasons that God will live us, uh, bring us through to, to fill out and mature us in other ways. But just to close now, let me talk about the gift that those who are in a season of eruption have to offer to others of us. Because we need these people who are in a season of eruption. We need them to write us worship songs. We need them to remind us of how awesome God is. 
We need them to be excited about God, enthusiastic and energetic for him, because they see more clearly than the rest of us how trustworthy God is and how God is better than anything else and how powerful God is. And so if they're ablaze with love and enthusiasm for God and they can get close enough to us, maybe we'll catch fire too. Maybe the warmth and life that they have will spread to us once again. Also, often it's those in a season of eruption who have great confidence and expectation to pray for people, that people will be healed, that people will be set free, that people will be filled with the Spirit. And we need them to pray for us and to infuse us with new life and to remind us of how good God is. So what do you do if you're in a season of eruption? Well, first, you thoroughly enjoy it. You lean into it. Don't let yourself get distracted by other things. Drink deeply of the fresh spiritual waters that are bubbling up. And then share your joy and your enthusiasm, your confidence and your expectation with others. And try not to get discouraged if they don't share or match your level of enthusiasm. If they're a little bit jaded and cynical from the hard things they've been through, And maybe your warmth will soften their hearts and thaw thaw it out little by little. So don't get discouraged if they don't match your enthusiasm. And don't judge them for not having it, but share what you have with them freely. Okay, so that's eruption. And to, um, to help you process, to help us process this sermon series over the following weeks, we sent out with the Friday email an exercise sheet, which looked a lot like the slide that we put up with the four seasons on it. Um, So you can fill out your own landscape of life as we go through it together. I'll also send that uh, worksheet out again with the, um, the, uh, if you're on the the notice chain email list, you'll get it with the service recording that we send out every Sunday afternoon. And you can use it for each season to jot down and to briefly describe seasons of eruption that you've been through in the past. Think of times, think about what it was like, some of the highlights, some of the, the, the um, things that have stuck with you, and, and what God, reflect on maybe what God was doing or teaching you or, or working in you at those times. And this will begin to help us to do what, what Al Giles talked to us about last week, which was taking time to excavate each season of our life, that our life is a, our heart, right? He talked about heart surgery. Our heart is a is a a treasure chest of different things that God has worked into us if we take time to excavate them and draw out of them what what God's put in. So the the first part of that worksheet are seasons of eruption. Have you had any? What were they like? What did God teach you? The worksheet will help you to reflect on those things. If you come to discussion group today, we're going to be talking about some of this. So it'll give you a head start and get your wheels turning as you... um, begin to to reflect on that. So it'll give you some things to to write down on your worksheet afterwards. 